This is Pandemic Buzz, a place where resilience practitioners gather to listen to insights from crisis management, business continuity, and crisis communications professionals. I'm your host, Devin Sermenis, a managing director at Widow Bryant's, a firm solely dedicated to supporting clients to prepare, respond, and recover from devastating events. Throughout this series, you'll hear from subject matter experts from a variety of industries and geographies. The intent is to share insights and best practices that you can adopt during these unusual times, or at the very minimum, some human elements that will further connect us as we adapt to new routines both at work and at home. Chase, Guy, welcome to Pandemic Buzz, and thanks for being guests as we continue the Honeywell sessions. Thanks, Devin. Thanks, Devin. Glad to be here. Please tell our listeners your full names, titles, and what you focus on at your company. And Chase, uh, you go first, please. Sure. I'm, I'm Chase Carpenter. I'm the Chief Information and Product Security Officer for Honeywell. So my job, I'm responsible really for, for the traditional CISO role, protecting our data, our infrastructure, our services. Uh, but then I'm also responsible for making sure our products are as free from vulnerabilities as possible. I oversee our physical security work, and uh, as I also own our governance risk and compliance efforts as well. Great. And Guy, coming back to uh, Pandemic Buzz from our last session, can you remind our listeners about your role and how you collaborate with Chase? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Devin. My name is uh, Guy Grispit, uh, the Global Head of Business Resilience at Honeywell. So for that, I, I'm responsible for business continuity, crisis management, disaster recovery. So work very closely with Chase's organization in the cybersecurity and product security space, and also collaborating closely from a physical security um, perspective around uh, the Global Security Operations Center. So for our listeners, there have been more cyber attacks in the first quarter of 2021 than in all of 2020. Social and traditional news platforms are already overflowing with cautionary tales about inefficient responses to attacks on company networks. Some lessons that are starting to being shared talk about inefficiencies stemming from how leadership teams are organized and or stovepipe. How are you working with leadership to remove these potential stumbling blocks at Honeywell? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I completely agree. It's been an absolutely wild few years. Uh, we've seen so many new attacks and, and uh, so much more activity that's happening right now. I'm really lucky with the fact that I think we've got great uh, leadership support at Honeywell. Uh, when, I, when I joined the company uh, almost two years ago, uh, we made a pretty big effort uh, around centralization. Uh, so we brought together a number of different security teams into one single organization, you know, really gave me the, the mantle for, for all things security. So, so I think the, the benefit of that is nothing can really fall between the cracks. You know, it, if, if there's a problem, if there's an issue, it's, it's my responsibility to solve it from a security perspective. With that, I, I also uh, feel like, like the company has done a great job, uh, our leadership in particular, giving me the authority I need to do my job. Uh, for example, if I am concerned about an attack or about uh, issues that are going on, I literally have the ability to shut down anything I want uh, across the company at, at a blink of an eye, just, uh, just to make sure that, that uh, uh, we're protecting ourselves and our customers. Uh, and then the last is that, that we really are driving a, a really good focus on, on risk. Uh, and I think that, uh, that that by making sure our program and, and efforts we're doing are, are really rooted in, in making sure we're tackling things that have the biggest risk for the company, um, we've been able to work with them to help prioritize investments, make sure we're making investments where we need to, but also being very clear about what things are, are below our, our cut line. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I'd just add on to that, Devin. I think uh, Chase made some great points about the risk piece and around the um, authority piece that the Honeywell leadership give. And I think also 
the leadership at Honeywell also see this as a broad organizational piece. So they don't look at resilience in stovepipes like um, it's a cyber thing or it's a, a physical thing. They really look at it across the organization and they see it as a broad Honeywell response. So when we have an event, you know, we really come together as an organization and as, um, as a team. And so we reach for those structures that we've built and the SME in the organization um, to come together to focus on the mission. So I think, you know, adding on to what Chase was saying about that broad risk piece and also understanding um, the resilience that is a non-stovepipe view of how we look at it. Yeah, Chase and Guy, let's build out on that risk piece. COVID-19 has shifted where employees, customers, even suppliers physically exist, and location independence requires a technology shift to support this new version of business. Uh, that, that's what we're hearing across our client base. How are you partnering with your enterprise risk group to evolve Honeywell's thinking on technology-driven risk? And that's given the combination of one, a pandemic-driven remote workforce, and then two, how this remote workforce connects to networks, which is basically creating additional access points and its own set of risks. Yeah, you know, many of these issues have, have honestly have always existed. You know, we, we've always had folks that are working remote. We've had people that are that are connecting, you know, from outside the network. Uh, but but now it's just so much more pronounced. The volume is so much higher, and and, and I think it has really. Uh, highlighted the fact that we've, we've just got to be able to protect and monitor devices no matter where they are. You know, it, it's we've gone really from the, the traditional castle model of, of an environment to where we've got all these little castles out there now that we need to protect. Um, and we need to make sure we know what's going on, uh, you know, through a, a real heavy focus on endpoint security, endpoint monitoring, you know, and then focus on identity as, as sort of the big battleground out there. There's a, a large effort across the industry focused on zero trust, uh, and, and it's really meant to solve this kind of a problem. Inside of Honeywell, we're, we're using uh, technology, specifically uh, Security Access Service Edge, SASE, that, that allows us to really monitor and, and protect our traffic no matter where the client is located, whether on our network or off the network. And really, our goal with zero trust is to get to a point that we can treat everybody like they're coming in from the internet, whether they're on our network or, or from home. Uh, and then that way, we can make sure everything is, is being protected with the same level of, of security. Yeah, let's uh, unpack zero trust and look at first line of defense. So in this new environment, what has Honeywell done to train staff to help prevent cyber breaches? Yeah, you know, phishing is obviously a massive concern. Uh, you know, there's numbers that phishing's involved in 90 plus percent of attacks that we see in the industry. And, uh, you know, why? Purely because it works and it's cheap. You know, we, we have to focus heavily on education and awareness uh, in that space in particular. You know, what's a phishing mail look like? You know, who who they might come from, how, how you identify it. This has evolved a ton. You know, years ago, it was very, very easy to identify phishing mails. We're seeing uh, attacks now that are extremely sophisticated, you know, and, and they're, they're focusing on, on specific audiences uh, with, with different campaigns. You know, but, but that awareness is critical right now to make sure that, especially as people are working remote, that they're, you know, they're working in a different way that we can make sure that they're they're uh, up to date whenever we see things like this evolving, changing, um, or bad actors are taking advantage of that situation. Yeah, I, I, and I, I would just add that I think, you know, this is going to be a constant process. You know, it's, it's a mindset shift and a culture change, not only in Honeywell, but I think broadly um, across organizations. Um, to Chase's point, you know, the adversaries are adapting their ways of approaching organizations. So we have to you know, get ahead of that and with our training and awareness. And and there also has to be testing as well to make sure 
you know, we have the understanding that it's working and we're getting the results we want. Yeah, as champions of this mindset shift, where have you been successful in integrating the resilience disciplines like IT disaster recovery with business continuity uh, and even more broadly with crisis management? Yeah, like I, you guys talked with Guy previously uh, about the work we're doing on crisis management at Honeywell. And, and you know, I don't think we've had a week go by uh, that, that Guy and I don't talk, you know, sometimes daily. If you look at the work that we do here around crisis management, uh, you know, Guy mentioned this a second ago, but it really does encompass a number of different disciplines, uh, you know, incident processes that flow up from our cyber incidents, our IT incidents, physical security, health and safety, et cetera. You know, and I think because of that, uh, you know, we really do have, uh, you know, a single process that, that's bringing in uh, and, and rationalizing our approach across all these different sort of towers of, of work going on across the company. Uh, disaster recovery is a stripe that runs across all of them. Um, we've got to make sure that, that uh, you know, we've got good tested DR plans for all of our sites, our physical sites, our networks, our infrastructure, our services, and our people. Um, and, and I think the only way we really get that is that, that one single cohesive view of crisis management across the board. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what Chase said. I think it's, you know, it, it, at Honeywell, we, it is totally integrated. You know, we have the right people in the right places and we have that touch points all the time. Um, and our crisis management program, our business continuity program, our disaster recovery program are built in the same way and integrated. But I think also what we have at Honeywell is that great ability to be agile and pivot. So Chase talked about crisis management. We're able to pivot, get the right people in the room, and understand how we move forward. And I think, you know, we're a technology company that provides solutions to the industrial sector. So our DR program is has to be integrated and its robustness is critical, I think, for our, the success of the resilience program overall. Chase, Guy, we've talked about organizing levels of leadership to be adaptive and responsive, connecting strategic risk with operational risk, employees as the primary line of defense, and some best practices on connecting resilience discipline. Let's talk about the evolving risk landscape. What disruptive events or crises have scared you in particular? What elements of these events do you find the most concerning? And what is Honeywell doing to address elements like these, the, the critical components that worry you the most? You know, ransomware as a whole right now is a massive issue in the industry uh, and just shows how a, an impact on a single company can have uh, this broad butterfly effect on, on all other parts of, of the world. You know, we're, we've seen some some recent news uh, around around ransomware attacks that have, have done just that. And similarly, we've seen issues where suppliers of companies are being attacked uh, as a vector into an organization or to steal their data. You know, again, not from the compromised company, but the one that the suppliers are working for. You know, I, I think we've got to step back and, and look at how we're doing, uh, you know, some of the things like protecting our supplier uh, our company from supplier uh, issues, uh, looking, you know, taking an, uh, a, deep, a different kind of a look at our supplier security program. What we've done in the past at Honeywell has been held up as a model for others, but, but it's just not good enough anymore. Uh, we've got to really continue to think creatively because the actors are doing just that. They're evolving. They're changing their tactics. Uh, a contract review isn't going to stop the things that they're doing right now. We've got to change the norm. Looking at the, the other side of that coin, so we discussed what's concerning. Clearly, uh, practitioners and programs are enhancing their capabilities, discovering new tools, advancing kind of their thinking on protecting against these risks. What incidents have you seen recently that have triggered successful responses by uh, either the victim or the target? 
you know, it, it's it's sort of sad, but unfortunately, we don't hear a lot about the the attacks that that uh, the response goes well on. <laughs> you know, the the news is very quick to jump in uh, uh, and, and share stories about things that that don't go well. And, and unfortunately, this really causes a, a huge issue in the industry where people don't want to share data or they don't want to share information because they're just afraid of, of retribution or stock price impacts or legal consequences. And 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 uh, you know, and that's really sad because I, I think we can all learn so much from each other uh, and share you know share great data to help help protect each other. Luckily, we do have some some pretty good conversations one on one uh, or in some of the industry forums uh, that many of us participate in um, and things that I, I've heard from my peers that, that are uh, are working well and things that we've seen that have worked well uh, here at Honeywell. You know, number one, just really working with an assumed breach mindset. Always expect that you're uh, you're being attacked or, or that that uh, there's something bad going on, and, and that your job is just to find it every single day when you come in. Um, making sure we've got great pervasive endpoint protection. You know, you want 100% of of your assets uh, that are covered. If if I don't know about it, I can't protect it. Um, you know, so we really want to focus there. Uh, as as Silly as it sounds that we're still talking about it, patching uh, absolutely is, uh, you know, still remains very top of mind for us. Um, I'd say things that we're, we're seeing evolve a little bit, uh, you know, make sure we understand uh, how actors are living off the land, using our own tools against us or using built-in tools to, uh, to attack us, uh, you know, and how to defend against those is really important. Making sure we've got great isolation capabilities. So if there's an ish incident, we can uh, can drop the blast doors and and uh, protect as much of the environment as we possibly can. You know, make sure that uh, I think we've got we got good DDoS protection, uh, good network protection overall. And uh, and then most importantly, I'd say you know most of these times it's not a case of of if it's it's a case of when and and we just need to be ready for for an incident to occur. Make sure we've got great backups. We're keeping them off site. Uh, we're testing our DR plans and, and making sure we know how to restore, you know, super quickly and in automated fashion, if at all possible, uh, you know, really, really valuable. That's a good laydown of all the, the behavioral type aspects uh, to enhance that capability. Uh, the most effective CISOs keep their finger on the pulse of prevailing information technology trends and when possible, deploy new strategies or solutions to help stay ahead of most common risks. Are there tech trends or cool tools that would help programs from an emergency management business continuity, crisis management, third-party risk management perspective, everything you just kind of mentioned? Yeah, you know, I think um, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff we could talk around, the the evolution of what we've seen with AI and ML. And, uh, you know, I think there's there's never a, a shortage of tools in our space. The things I'm really keeping an eye on right now, I, I mentioned before the the work around SASE, uh, the, the Secure Access Service Edge, uh, you know, really, really uh, valuable as part of our zero trust efforts and making sure that we're we're able to protect all of our endpoints, you know, I, I think about uh, another place that I see a lot of evolution happening right now is around insider threat, especially people working remote, uh, being able to to understand some behavioral uh, changes and understand what things may be may be different than normal, uh, especially around data access. Really, really important and valuable right now. We're seeing seeing great trends and, and new capabilities there. Um, and then the last uh, I mentioned just briefly a second ago is is around uh, disaster recovery automation. And I think that uh, we've come so far uh, along the way for uh, you know that a number of vendors have have great tools that that we've seen have been able to take some of our disaster recovery efforts uh, from from you know, days and hours to minutes. So, so I definitely think those are great places to look. 
building on the Internet of Things, IoT, a top trend that you're seeing across uh, publications for 2021 is the Internet of Behavior, IOB. It's using data to change behavior. So, for example, driving trends for fleets or sensors or RFID tags at manufacturing plants to determine levels of hand washing, social distancing, things of that nature. Is Honeywell exploring the application of IOB to emergency management, business continuity, or crisis management? Yeah, you know, we are, uh, both both uh, inside of Honeywell as well as uh, in some of the products that we build. So, you know, being that I focus on security and privacy, uh, as well as, uh, you know, not just protecting our, our, our environment, but also in the products that we build. Um, and then I also think about things like business continuity. I've got to think about this from a bunch of different angles. You know, we want to walk that fine line between doing what's best to protect our employees, uh, but then also make sure we're keeping their privacy top of mind. You know, so so that said, I think we do have some some really incredible solutions around, uh, for example, our safety systems where we can monitor user behaviors and track occupancy in buildings. You know, these are really powerful tools that, that let us, uh, in case of an emergency, know where people might be or, or where we need to focus uh, any kind of response efforts. We built some tremendous capabilities with uh, with some recent acquisitions, uh, for example, like our Thermo Rebellion work, where we're, we're able to scan temperatures uh, when people walk into a building and identify someone that, that may be sick. Uh, super valuable during the time of the pandemic, but also one of those, those challenges where we had to walk this line of how do we make sure we're keeping everyone's data uh, and, and privacy uh, you know, at the right level as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd build just a bit on that. I think um, Chase touched on the major points. I think resilience, as, as I think we talked about last time, Devin, is all about that behavior and all about that sort of mindset change that we're working on within uh, Honeywell. And I think once you get that mindset change, then you get a successful program. But it's a journey and it's a, it is a real marathon. I think we're constantly working through that. But, you know, this, as Chase was alluding to, I think it's really backed up with the products we have in our healthy building technology, in our recent acquisition of Sign, which we're using as we come out of COVID and during COVID. And so I think it's not only in the how we do it, but also our product also. Yeah, that's a good ad, blending the strategic with the operational and tactical uh, and with the tools to support that. So this next question kind of has a lot of different facets and you guys could take it down many different angles uh, with everything going on. Should government have more control during a cyber attack and does the type of attack matter and what level of collaboration is really a good balance between corporations and government? Yeah, you know, I, I think that that uh, government having more control during an attack is is really a, a difficult situation. You know, no one knows your environment as well as you do, and and I think you've got to really make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect ourselves, and that only means moving you know rapidly and and uh, bringing the right people in that have sort of this deep knowledge of of uh, not only what's going on but the environment. Uh, so the place I really see that that partnership being important is around knowledge sharing, and I, I think that that. Uh, you know, we've we've got a number of forums where we we do uh, share knowledge, share indicators of compromise, share information with each other. Uh, but I think that's something I would really love to see the government uh, step up and and do more around that space in particular. You know, on top of that, you know, we're always going to have places where we want to engage law enforcement, uh, having their help. Uh, you know, as we we have an issue or have an incident, uh, for them to be able to respond quickly and authoritatively, and and help with takedowns or help with you know putting obstacles up for the for the actors, the bad actors. Uh, you know, very very important. Um, you know, but I think that that honestly, the, the primary place that I would love to see more uh, attention from the government here is around uh, information sharing and, and doing it in a way that that we can 
you know, protect uh, the companies. Uh, so they're, they don't not stamped with a stigma of being attacked, but instead of, uh, uh, you know, being, being, you know, lauded for, for, for providing more information and, and helping others. Guy, I'd like to direct the, the final question uh, to you. Honeywell has a large footprint around the world to look at and consider from a cyber as well as a physical perspective. What is Honeywell focusing on to create balance between these two important aspects of resilience? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Devin. We do. We have, I think, over 900 sites globally, 110,000 people, and we've got multiple travelers around the world all the time. So it it, it is absolutely connected. And uh, one of the ways we do that is through our integrated supply chain function, which Chase and I partner with constantly. Uh, And I think really a key colleague for us in that space is uh, Mike Pollich, who is our vice president of logistics. So I think it would be great to have him have the opportunity to his his perspective and how he sees that resilience piece working into the integrated supply chain area. That's fantastic. And I know we are um, setting Mike up for a recording session to continue the Honeywell session. So those will be some additional great insights building on what uh, you and Chase have shared. So, you know, Guy, Chase, thanks again for being guests on Pandemic Buzz and for the fantastic access you're giving us to your thinking on building resilience at Honeywell. Thanks very much, Devin. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, Devin, this has been great. Uh, glad to uh, glad to be here, and thank you so much for inviting us. Thanks again for listening to Pandemic Buzz. Please like and share this podcast with your colleagues, and be sure to catch our next episode.